listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars, the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. Hello, everyone. I'd like to offer a word of welcome. My name is Father Luke Fletcher. I'm a priest with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal in Yonkers, New York. And um, this is a reflection uh, in honor of, well, today you'll be watching this on May 13th. So the anniversary of the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima. And uh, we think of the beautiful story of Our Lady of Fatima. We have the statue here uh, of Our Lady uh, under that image. And uh, we think of the beautiful shrine in Fatima, Portugal, but also the uh, beautiful Fatima shrine in Washington, New Jersey where uh, every year we'd be normally gathering on this day, uh, back in the old days. And uh, so today we're gathering again, but here together. And I even have my uh, Fatima stole, which it's a little hard to see because of my beard, but there we go. Okay, so we're with Our Lady. So a very sincere word of welcome to all of you. And um, why don't we begin with a prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O oh Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all of the many graces that have come and continue to come through the shrine and, uh, and the message, the, the event of the apparitions of Our Lady at Fatima to Saints Francisco and Jacinta and the servant of God, Sister Lucia. Lord, we ask for your blessing on our time together. Uh, help us to know and love you in a deeper way. And in a special way, we ask for the help and prayers of Mary, our mother, as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So thank you again for uh, joining and watching wherever you're watching from. We're all in Fatima here together now. Um, so beautiful use of the technology to come together for the Lord. Um, so every May, uh, it's usually, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, it's springtime. And you see the beautiful signs of creation waking up after the sleep of winter. And we have the month of Mary. We know that May is one of those months that's usually dedicated to Mother Mary. And in uh, Catholic parishes and schools and households, there are Marian devotions, like the, the praying of the rosary. I know Pope Francis has a few extra prayers for the rosary this month, here in 2020, to, to help us asking for the Lord, for his mercy upon the whole world. And uh, here in the middle of May, we have the anniversary of the first apparition of Mary at Fatima. So it was May 13th. 1917 in a little village actually it was outside the village in a little um a meadow it was kind of like a cove the cove of peace there in rural portugal fatima portugal and you can imagine the scene of tremendous beauty of uh creation and and uh the little shepherd children were bringing their sheep there to graze and kind of a, a beautiful kind of scene if you've ever been to Fatima or maybe you've seen some of the movies uh, that kind of show what it looked like or a documentary. And uh, something uh, most amazing happened that day where God sent the Virgin Mary 
to appear to them and to deliver, to, to speak to the children a message of peace for the world. Uh, a message of peace for the world. And it, it is just really a, an amazing thing. All these years later, we know the story over the course of six months, there were, there, Mary was coming on the 13th of every month and there were messages that were given to the children. Um, and we're gonna get into that in just a moment. And then on the final day of the apparitions on October 13th, there had been a word that the Virgin Mary had agreed to uh, ask God for some kind of a miracle so that people could really know that it was her who was appearing and that her message should be heeded. And so uh, by that time, there was something like 80,000 people that showed up and there are photographs of that day and we know that it was been raining the whole night before and every October 13th, we remember that day of the great miracle of the sun when Our Lady came, the rain clouds parted and for about 10 minutes, everybody there, believer and non-believer alike, witnessed a miracle kind of on an epic biblical scale where the sun seemed to come off of its axis and it was spinning and there were colors and you could look at it without burning your eyes. And then at some point it started to zigzag and look like it was gonna to crash to the earth and people were crying out their sins to God like a public confession asking for mercy and forgiveness. And then it goes back to where it was and uh, you could no longer look at it and and uh, people noticed that even though they had been soaked from all that rain the whole night before, they were completely dry. And in, in some cases, the mud was gone. They were clean. And uh, a tremendous kind of like crowning sign from God that uh, he had been the one that sent Our Lady to come to deliver a message. And um, the world was really in a lot of trouble in 1917. Remember the times? It was World War I. And the message that Mary delivered really spoke a word that, to the hearts of the people of the time of what, um, a word that addressed what they were going through. It wasn't just a message of prayer and penance and conversion. Yes, it was, but it was even more. And uh, there was something that Mary said that had, it was so um, appropriate for the times. And um, I, I wanna share that because I think in our own day, we could start to wonder in 2020, uh, something like uh, over 100 years later, would we be tempted to think that, well, uh, what Mary said, the message at Fatima was for that time and not for now. And uh, I'm here today to say that is not true. <laughs> the message that Mary gave at Fatima was a word that they needed to hear because of what was going on at the time. But even now, it is a word that is still alive for us today. This message that God gave us through our dearest blessed mother, Mary Fatima. And um, so I just wanna share like a little personal testimony um, about how the uh, event of the Fatima apparitions um, had really touched my own life um, and how I've come to struggle to understand exactly what Fatima is all about and what, what the message means uh, for our times. So um, we have the, the basic story of Mary coming and speaking to the children uh, and speaking about things that were going on globally. Mary talked about what was going on in the world and about the war and um, that if people did not repent and convert and pray and do penance, 
that there would be another war that would be even greater, and that's World War II, we know now, and that there would be a lot of problems and errors coming out of atheistic communism from Russia and some of these things that Mary talked about. And um, here we are all these years later, and there, if you go back and read the account of what Mary said, there's something that is so uh, fresh and alive, even for our own day, with all the struggles and turmoils uh, that we're having right now in our world. Obviously, um, recently, we've felt so humbled huh, by the uh, pandemic. You think of a virus as something so small, you need a microscope to see it. And yet the whole world has been humbled through this, this kind of situation that we're going through. And, uh, we know that certainly God has allowed this, and maybe there's a grace that's being held out to the whole world right now. And that grace is exactly what Mary said at Fatima, a grace of prayer, a, a grace of conversion and repentance, and to maybe refocus on what is really important in this life. It's, some of us have uh, kind of strayed or kind of gotten distracted or kind of lost our way. And um, the graces that God gave at Fatima are still there for us now. Um, so when I was a young man, I was raised in a Catholic home. And uh, we, you know, in the 1980s, we were kind of a middle of the road, American household there in the Midwest in Indiana. And I have to say, now that I look back on my childhood and uh, memories I have of experiences, um, I was very much enamored with the things of the world, you know. Um, I probably did believe in God, but I didn't have much of a relationship with Him. I was really enamored with sports. You can imagine in Indiana, you have to play basketball, right? Especially when you're six foot two. And uh, that's not always so bad, but it was kind of a bit of an idol for me. And then music, and um, and then television and movies and you know I was uh, just kind of somewhat uh, formed by the secular culture if I could put it that way and um, I'd had a few experiences of church uh, you know the Catholic Church um, growing up and uh, for different reasons it, it was really it was very kind of boring and unimpressed forgive me for saying that I mean how ironic now that I'm a priest right <laughs> but uh, you know, there's so, so many stories I could tell about that whole thing, but I just, you know, I didn't understand what it was about. And, and you know, when you go to Mass and you're there and maybe the music wasn't so good, I don't know. And maybe the, the, the priest who had a, public, a fear of public speaking, uh, God bless him, uh, maybe the homilies weren't so engaging or, you know, it, I just didn't really know what it was all about. And you can imagine when you're used to, you know, the engagement of like, the, and the excitement of sports or something from like a really well done movie. You know, I was grew up a Star Wars guy and you know, all the special effects and just, you know, this kind of like eye candy and, uh, and just this kind of stimulation that you're used to. And then you come to mass, you know, and you're just like sitting there, and, you know, it, it just, in terms of entertainment, in terms of uh, really engaging, especially when you're a kid, it was just, it was hard. I remember that. I just remember having those feelings of just not being feeling a connection there. And um, so I can imagine that uh, many of you are worried about your young people. As a priest, you often hear from people, please pray for my 
sons and daughters or my grandchildren or you know a lot of older people are worried and concerned about younger people as we see the statistics of less and less people kind of going to church and, and living a vibrant faith and kind of there's some trends that are alarming in our culture now um, and uh, I just want to share my story with you to give you hope because I was one of those those kids um, I wasn't really into church I wasn't really into prayer I really didn't know about God and faith and, and sacraments and, and uh, I was too busy uh, chasing after all kinds of other things and um, that journey kind of intensified when I got to high school you know that's a really important stage of life right high school you're not a little kid anymore you're not quite on your own yet it's just the awkward stage of adolescence and, and there it was you know the brothers know they come to visit my family home now there's my senior picture on the wall it's so embarrassing you know of uh, just hairstyles and whatever okay Back when you had hair, okay. So, um, so I can now say that I really was drifting away from my faith, from my relationship with God. And um, by the time I graduated from college, started out at university, um, I was finally on my own two feet, you know, and no longer living under my parents' roof. And, you know, just the excitement and kind of the nervousness that you experience and kind of out on your own for the first time. And um, about that time, something was really happening to me. You know, those, those, are, um, those are milestones in your life, right? When you can tell like something was changing, something was happening. And uh, it was at that time, my freshman year of college, that I um, was experiencing the emptiness of the world. Could I put it that way? The, the emptiness of the world, that uh, the, the happiness that the world promises uh, was an empty promise. You know, I, was ex I can now say, I think that I was having an inner struggle. I was, the Lord in his love for me was allowing me to experience the fruitlessness of sin. You know, that the things that I had been chasing after, the things that the world was telling me, this is what life is about, this is what's going to make you happy. You know, um, think about like the psychology behind advertising and commercials. You know, they're getting really good at convincing us, like you have to have this product or do this thing or whatever. Um, at this stage in my life, I was experiencing the emptiness. So on the level of my own experience, there was kind of a restlessness, there was a yearning, there was a struggle, and I was starting to understand that, you know, there's gotta be more to this life than chasing after the next album of my favorite band, or the next installment of my favorite movie franchise, or the next episode of my favorite TV show, or the next date with my girlfriend, or, you know, like, um, there, there was a, an experience of the emptiness of sin. And so somehow I was ready for something to happen. And, and indeed it did. It was October 20th, 1990, my freshman year of college. I was at a rock concert and the Holy Spirit came upon me. And something like scales fell off of my eyes, 
And I received the grace of faith. I just knew in my core that God was real and that he loved me and that I was not with him because of my sin. It was an incredible experience, completely unexpected, out of left field, unasked for. And uh, to this day, all these years later, I'm still kind of trying to figure out what happened that night. It was a, a catalyst that sparked a fire within me. And I just had this kind of existential moment of, of questioning and asking and thinking about who I was and, and choices I had made and what had gotten me to that place, which is a bit of a dark place, to be honest. And um, I go back home to my dorm room in college and I said the very first prayer that I ever prayed as a, a believing young adult, you know, in this very sincere prayer from the heart, Lord, if you're real, I want to know you. And if you have a plan for my life, please show me and I will do it. And I prayed that from the very depths of my being from the very, you know, responding to this grace that had come to me. And I'll never forget, I think it was a day or two later, I called my mom, who is pretty devout Catholic. And I remember trying to explain to her that something has just happened. And I was kind of looking for some guidance. And I just remember like, it was on the telephone. It, it was the day before smartphones, so we didn't see each other. It was just a, you could hear each other. And I just remember her just like, I can imagine her jaw falling to the ground or maybe she fell on the floor, you know, like, whoa, what? You know, and, uh, and I remember that she sent me uh, some books about the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary, including the story of the apparitions of Mary at Fatima. And in those early, early days of my life, when there was a seismic shift happening within my soul, and I was looking for guidance, and I started reading about what Mary had said to the children, and about the message of what God is asking of us. And it guided me. It led me. I didn't know which way was up or down at that point, but I needed someone to lead me and guide me. And um, uh, lo and behold, it was the beautiful messages, the simple messages that Mary gave at, at Fatima that kind of was like a, a light from my path to come back to my faith. It kind of led me into a prayer group. It led me into studying the catechism and scripture and kind of, you know, here I am in college and I've got like uh, such a, a little kid's understanding of faith. So I had a lot of catch up to do. and. and starting to pray, um, I ended up going to confession, which is one of the things that very encourages us in our, our, our path of repentance and conversion to bring our sins to Jesus through the ministry of the priest. And I had a, a very a beautiful experience of that. And it was one of the moments that kind of started to, to push me in the direction of discerning priesthood. But it was really um, the grace that was there. Now, here's the kicker. Here, here's where this whole story comes together for today. After my conversion, after my initial response to the grace, praying, 
you know, um, reading the, what Mary had been saying, the, trying to put into effect what she was asking through prayer and penance and conversion, um, I started to find out that people had been praying for me. Number one, my mom. My mom, who was very devoted to Our Lady of Fatima, my mom had been praying for me. And then the next summer, I get back to my summer job, and I find out there's these really wonderful ladies at my workplace who were just completely shocked to see this different person come back from their freshman year of college. And, and they revealed to me they had been praying for me. And brothers and sisters, that, that reality is such an important aspect of the message of Fatima. What the angel told the children in 1916 and what the Virgin Mary told the children in 1917 is that our prayers can perform miracles. That somehow in the mystery of God's plan, our Heavenly Father invites us to cooperate with the dispensing of his grace in the world. And that this grace of conversion that I received, this grace of a spiritual awakening, this gift of faith, was somehow connected to people who were loving me and praying for me, especially my own mother. And I think the prayers of the Virgin Mary as well, our spiritual mother. Isn't that beautiful? And that's what, that's what our lady told the children that your prayers can stop wars your prayers can convert hearts at one point they were given a vision of hell and they said that your prayers can help people who are on the path to hell pray for them make sacrifices for them have hope don't give up and uh, in my struggle I was um, struggling to understand uh, how this whole thing works and uh, just here in our chapel the other day as I was preparing for this talk and uh, as I was in the, the chapel during Eucharistic adoration, I was praying to the Lord and I was asking him, help me to understand this a little better. You know, like, how does this work? And it's my pragmatic mind. I want to know, like, how does this work? And uh, as I was there, I, I, in my imagination, I realized that so often in the Bible, uh, grace is, is symbolized by water. And many, many instances throughout the whole Bible, you think about when Moses struck the rock, the water that came, you think of the waters of baptism, you think of the Holy Spirit being poured out, right? It, like that's a, a liquid imagery, it's water. Think of the holy water that you bless yourself with. It's water is somehow symbolic of grace. And I thought about how God, when he sends the rain, he waters, the earth, right? And how water helps things grow. It's like, it tells us something about how grace works. And just when I was thinking this, it started to pour rain. And then, you know, I'm really awake now and I'm like, oh, wow, you know? And I'm just, I'm just imagining how God can just water the whole planet with his grace. And I thought, well, that's what God does. What about me? And then in my imagination, I thought of Father Conrad who's one of our priests here, who's always digging around in the, around the friary and planting things and, and watering things. And brothers and sisters, I thought this is, this is a metaphor that can help us to understand. You know, as somebody could take like a, a watering can and you can go and water plants. This is what our prayers, 
This is what our sacrifice is. This is what our intercession, what it does. The water always comes from God, right? But we have been given the ability to cooperate with the coming of his kingdom. We've been given the ability to pray and intercede for one another, to help one another. And just as you may go around filling up your watering can and watering the plants to help them grow, this is our call. And this is what Mary was telling the children. And this is what Mary is telling us now. You know, that your prayers matter. Your prayers have power. That our Heavenly Father invites us to cooperate. And we can affect one another through encouragement, but through prayer, through fasting, through penances. Isn't that beautiful? I want to conclude with one last story that's just amazing. So fast forward the tape. Many, many years. And I have been a friar for how long now, brothers? <laughs> 25 years now, uh, been a priest for, well, 2003, so coming up on 17 years. And um, a couple of years ago, I was going through a little bit of a rough patch, going through a little bit of a struggle. I don't know if it was a midlife crisis. I, you know, just, we all have our struggles, right? And uh, I was struggling because uh, I, what, the, the way of the life, the priesthood, everything, it, it, um, I have to be careful how I say this. I don't want to mislead and they, you know, misunderstand me, but it, it wasn't as exciting as it had been when I was new. A couple of the brothers in the chapel here this morning are about to get ordained. So like there's an excitement when you're newly ordained and it's just natural, you know, you kind of go through a little thing and I was struggling and I was praying and asking God for the grace of renewal in my vocation, renewal in my, my you know, priesthood, my calling to be a priest. And during that year, I was asked to help lead a pilgrimage to Fatima. And so I was kind of excited because we all, you know, know the story. And, we, and I love going to shrines, whether it be the one in the Fatima shrine in New Jersey or the, the shrine in Portugal. And we get over there and we've got a pilgrimage. And it's just so beautiful to be over there and to see the places where these things happened to kind of pray. I like to think of it as there's a grace in this place, you know, and to, to call to mind the memory of what had happened and to kind of rekindle the fire a little bit. And we were there at the uh, Blue Army Shrine has a, a pilgrim hotel called the Domus Pachis, and we were there and we had a, a pilgrimage group and we we're just having a beautiful experience. Um, I made some connections that I didn't understand before that St. Anthony is actually from Lisbon, Portugal. He's the patron saint of finding lost articles, right? And so he's a Franciscan priest as well. And so we learned a lot about St. Anthony and, and realizing how important he is for the people in Portugal. And we're there at the Fatima Shrine. And of course, I'm praying and I'm asking for the grace of renewal. And then something happened. The very last day of our pilgrimage, we had to get up super early for mass because then we were heading to the airport to fly back home. It's always a bit of a sad moment in a pilgrimage, you know, like, oh, we're going back to our day-to-day -day now. So uh, in the little pilgrim hotel where we were staying, they had a chapel and a sacristy, and uh, we'd been using it all week. I think our group was really the only group there. So we had the key, the sacristy was locked. Four in the morning, we go into the sacristy to get ready for mass. And in the sacristy, there are the drawers for the, the books and the, the hosts and the chalice and the, you know, and the 
vestments. And sitting out on the counter is a stole. The stole is one of the garments that the priest wears. It kind of looks like a scarf like this. And I see the stole sitting out. And I look down, and it looked really familiar to me. And lo and behold, I just couldn't believe my eyes. And brothers and sisters, this is the stole right here that I'm talking about. This was uh, my stole. It had been part of a set of vestments that my family had made just for me, special vestments when I was ordained to the priesthood and the chasuble and, and everything. And the stole had gone missing like four years earlier. And for a couple of years, I was asking different brothers at different friaries, have you seen the stole that goes to my, my vestments? It's gone missing. Nobody knew anything about it. Well, four years later, I'm in Fatima. I'd forgotten about it had prayed to St. Anthony, patron saint of lost articles, and there at four in the morning in the sacristy in Fatima, my stole, which is one of a kind in the whole world, a total unique, was sitting on the counter. And at that moment, I received the grace of renewal in my priesthood. The stole is symbolic of the priesthood. You know, through Our Lady, through the intercession of St. Anthony, through a true miracle. There's absolutely no explanation of how this thing got <laughs> to Fatima, like I had not been there. And I'd been missing for many years. And there it was, this amazing grace that God gave me. It's a real sign, a real sign that I just, I needed at the time to rekindle the fire. You know, another grace that came through Our Lady, through the shrine, through, through St. Anthony, through the pilgrimage. How beautiful, huh? So I share that with you just to encourage everyone. As we go through this life, as we have things that we struggle with, we um, have concerns about people we love that maybe are going the wrong way. Let us have a greater trust in the Lord and a greater confidence in Mother Mary. You know, that she comes to us to lead us by the hand. She comes to uh, strengthen our faith, that our prayers matter and that there is power in prayer, that we can have a great effect on the world, stopping wars, calling down the gift of peace, praying for healing and for conversion, spiritual healings for those who are sick, um, especially those who have been, um, are sick with sin. So on this May 13th, on this day of Our Lady of Fatima, that we remember this tremendous gift, this grace that God has given to the world, we recall the message and we give thanks to the Lord. Um, as a loving father, he, he just showers his gifts upon us like a rainfall. You know, that, that he, he's with us. He's not giving up on us. He's, he's calling us to a deeper place, a deeper love, a deeper faith, a deeper charity, a deeper hope. And, and again, I thank you for listening. Um, let's pray for one another. And uh, maybe I'll see you at the shrine someday soon. God bless you. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Lord, we thank you for every grace. We thank you for this, um, the month of May. We thank you for the anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima. We thank you for the message. We thank you for the way that your grace and that your love comes to our world. Uh, help us, Lord, lead us and guide us. And in a very special way, we pray those beautiful words that the angel said to Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. been listening to from the friars podcast the community of franciscan friars the renewal please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media cfr underscore franciscans Thank you.